Hello, welcome back to the Standard Time Celtics podcast. We're doing a little uh, two-man weave today after a Game 7 victory over the Washington Wizards. Celtics came out, uh, dominated the final couple minutes of the third quarter, and then held serve through the fourth quarter and won 115-105 against the Wizards and now advanced to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2012. They're going to face the Cleveland Cavaliers, who have yet to lose in the playoffs. But before we look at that series, let's uh, recap a little bit of Game 7 there. It was a brilliant Game 7 in a boisterous uh, TD Garden. The fans were going nuts, uh, lived up to its billing. What were you, uh, after the game ended, what were some of your initial thoughts? Yeah, I think just like pretty much everybody watching it, uh, Kelly Olenek going off in the fourth quarter. uh, He had 14 of his 26 points, um, hit a couple threes, showed that kind of inside-out game. Um, just did a really nice job. Isaiah did a really good job of finding him when he was open for a couple easy layups to get him going. Um, and again, Isaiah had 12 assists. Uh, I just thought it was a really a nice game f- uh, for a team win. Uh, you can kind of show your versatility where, you know, being led by Kelly Olenek, who for much of the season was kind of their seventh guy, um, you know, still assisting on most of their made baskets. And then they shot uh, 11 of 26 from three point, which is, Good, but it wasn't quite at that threshold of the 14 to 15 makes win. Um, and they came late. They were really struggling. They had uh, five made threes, I think, about midway through the third quarter. Yeah, yeah. And a couple of the, you know, the spark, uh, Marcus Smart was two of two. A couple guys that we don't traditionally think of as um, really good shooters. Uh, so, man, it was just, it was fun. And I'm glad that they created that distance, made that run in the late, um, what was it, the late third quarter. Yeah, and then kind of. The last minute of the third quarter. Yeah. They, Went on a little, I think it was 8-0 spur. Yeah, created a little space for themselves. And then were able to, you know, withstand kind of the the Wizards who um, Bradley Beal was really impressive to me, um, you know, kind of showing his potential. But clearly Bradley uh, Beal and John Wall are are two guys where um, I think the next step in their uh, development is to to show some a little more consistency and also the, uh, the Wizards front office is just to bri- provide a little more help for them because man that was a starter heavy uh, yes. outing <laughs> that was I you know I, I know um, rotations tighten up in the playoffs but man they were leaning on those guys heavy and I think we saw it, it affected John Wall more than Bradley Beal towards the end yeah it seemed like John Wall didn't quite have his legs late in the game a lot of threes mm-hmm. coming up short Marcus Mott even talked about that a little bit after the game he recognized that um, you know it's still finished with 18 11 but Maybe not the uh, superstar creating Game 7 that he was hoping for. But yeah, mm-hmm. so similar things stood out for me. It was really, we talked about how it was going to be, you know, probably that third, fourth, fifth guy on the roster who was going to make the difference. And it turned out to be kind of the sixth, seventh guys on the roster, mm-hmm. sixth, seventh, eighth guys on the roster. Because the three guys who impressed me the most were Kelly Olenek, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown, who seemed to be the guys, you know, you got what you expected out of Isaiah, 29 and 12. Mm-hmm. Kept the turnovers down really nicely, 12 to 2 yeah. assist to turnover ratio. So that was a little unexpected from him. Um, but, you know, you look at the rest of them, Al Horford at 15 points, Jay Crowder at 14. Avery mm-hmm. Bradley got off to a nice start and then seemed to kind of disappear. Um, you know, he obviously exerting a lot of energy on the defensive end. So it's yeah. probably hard for him to have three really strong offensive nights in a row. Yeah, it's just in kind of interesting, like the three primary backups for the Celtics, Kelly, Marcus, and Jalen you know, played a combined, um, you know, what, 70 minutes. And the com- the three primary backups for the Wizards played a combined, you know, t- 30. 30 yeah. You know, so it was um, just cool to see the depth. And it might even be closer to 90 minutes. They they, uh, they played quite a bit. 
or probably 80 there. Yeah, it's, I think it's, uh, um, yeah, it's around, uh, yeah, a little under 80. Like yeah, so here, yeah. I, I, it's, um, it's cool to see difference makers coming from that point of the roster where a lot of teams kind of concede those spots, and those are just guys that can buy breaks for the, mm. the stars to come in. So, um, you know, again, with Kelly, we can't really maybe expect that moving forward, but it's cool to see when he was paired so much with Al Horford and then you, you've kind of got your own version of the five-out lineup where everybody can shoot, everybody, um, the ball still moves. Um, you can drive those closeouts. Uh, so, and he showed some versatility in his offensive game. They, they were isoing him in the fourth quarter. I can't. I would yeah. go into that game. I would have bet against uh, the Celtics running Kelly isos in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was he of got a close it game and six uh, seconds left on the shot clock on like the uh, left block. And he was block able to and, score off of him. Yeah. You know, he had a couple nice drives, a couple nifty layups, but he also hit some threes. Hit a couple of mid-range jumpers uh, when Isaiah mm-hmm. found him. So uh, he just kind of and, and he was working really hard on the boards all night. He was, you know, he wasn't afraid. He was battling with Gortat down there and uh, wasn't afraid to get physical. And uh, they ended up getting the double T's one point with him and, and him Keith. And, yeah, Marquise. So, yeah, uh, yeah. One yeah, thing I like uh, that he's, you know, seems a little chippy and yeah. you know he's not going to take anything from anybody. And maybe uh, got a little help from Draymond Green there, uh, <laughs> calling him dirty. Maybe that. Uh, Sparked him, inspired fire. him a little bit, yeah, but we'll, uh, we'll take it. Yeah, well, one piece that Kelly um, noticed, and he mentioned it a couple times uh, immediately after the game and then in his press conference, what was talking about playing four-on-three basketball. So he's saying Isaiah's drawn two. The opposition's devoting two defenders to try to stop him. He's moving the ball really quickly, and then there's somebody open on the backside. It's something we well, talk a lot about in lacrosse. You get the defense to rotate, and then you pass. Or you get the defense to slide to you, and then you uh, give it up. And that's how most offense is created. Um, so it's cool to see. He had that one layup when they triple teamed Isaiah. Isaiah came yeah. off the screen. They ended up with three guys around him. And uh, Kelly was wide open under the hoop. And uh, Isaiah, after almost a moment hesitation where you're like, is he going to see him? Got it to him. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple passes. Um, like, yeah, Isaiah was just inside of midcourt when they were kind of blitzing him. And he found uh, um, Kelly underneath. So, man, it was a cool – it was just a, a fun game. And, and heading into, you know, three of the most exciting days of uh, Celtics – basketball in a <laughs> while you know because we're at today we got the, three days uh, in a row here yeah. the draft lottery and um and then, and then setting up for tomorrow with uh home home court advantage uh so we get to open in boston against the Cavs. so uh man a lot of a lot of good stuff getting it from unexpected places um and and that being said like we won without isaiah Isaiah playing a really nice, complete game, but without him going off, mm-hmm. without shooting the lights out from three-point, we found a way to um, put together a victory over a really talented team. So, uh, And they hit shots in a game where they hadn't been hitting shots, which is something I wanted to see. And I don't know if we'd seen earlier this series. It seemed like how the threes went early in the game was kind of how they would go throughout the game. And this right. was one where they didn't lose confidence in the three, and then uh, they started falling when they needed them to. And you kind of waiting for one team to make a run. You never knew which team it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it turned out to be the Celtics. And then the Wizards didn't really have another run left in them. Uh, part, probably a lot to do with those heavy minutes. Uh, Bradley Beal, almost 46 minutes. Yeah. Um, just a little over two minutes off the court. And uh, still finished with 38 points. And then John Wall playing 44. Even Markeith Morris getting 42 minutes. Which, uh, meanwhile, none of the Celtics were over 40. Uh, Isaiah led them at 39. But, uh, yeah, Marcus Smart also and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown came in, hit a nice three. Mm-hmm. Um, I did feel like there was a little fire and ice with him. He still doesn't quite follow all the defensive rotations. Seems to get mm-hmm. lost a couple times. Uh, there was a couple times where Marquise Morris ended up kind of one-on-one on him and was just kind of able to take him. I don't think he's quite up to really guarding a strong four yet. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I think if he's if there's it was someone, a little strange because Crowder was on the court at that point, so I think they ended up then switching and putting Crowder on Morris, and I think they put Jalen on uh, Bojan Bogdanovic at that point. Yeah. Um, so I, I think maybe you know if it's a if it's a strong, powerful power forward, Jalen's not quite there yet with the strength. Yeah, uh, I think, but he brings some athleticism. Mm-hmm. He's able to run the court. Uh, the really the, the sequence that uh, seemed to get him going was the Marcus Smart hitting the three, then Jay Crowder getting the steal, getting up to Marcus Smart, who got up to Jalen. For that incredible reverse alley oop, yeah, and then uh, and that to really show, just kind of got everyone fired yeah. up, got the garden going, and then they had the momentum. Yeah, showed some really nice touch on that. And again, I'm really hopeful that you know Jalen has what I think has kind of established himself in this rotation. Um, obviously, you know, there's a little more that can be done on the offensive end, defensive, uh, team defense. So we're talking about uh, yeah, rotation. It's so it's when anymore. somebody has to help on someone. Where do you put yourself so then you can help the person? Yeah. Uh, you, you know, so not so, leave your guy too much. So yeah, because I think he does a really nice job just athletically, one-on-one defending. I think he usually does a pretty good job, you know, with his footwork and his quickness and his length. However, it's then hoping that he'll um, be there and know what his responsibilities are um, off the ball. So yeah, definitely leaves some room for improvement. But man, I think it's really important to have a guy like that um, in terms of kind of guarding elite wings and switching defenses uh, so you can stay in front of people. Because I think that um, moving forward, as we get to this next series, it's really important to have some really good defenders on the floor. Um, So the pick and roll, which has kind of been the the Cavaliers, Mm -hmm. the way that they dictate matchups. So if you have a whole bunch of guys that can guard LeBron, guard Kyrie on the floor, or at least – you know, do the best job that they can against them. Those are two guys that are going to get their offense no matter what. Um, so, I, yeah, really excited about Jalen's um, continued development and then, you know, uh, Kelly Olenek uh, game of his life. So, so that was pretty special. Yeah, it was, it was just a fun game all around. Now the Celtics are back in the Eastern Conference uh, Finals, which is probably coming into the season what was best-case scenario for them. Uh, yeah. I don't even think anyone expected them to even be the one seed going into that with home court advantage. So, they're probably ahead of best case scenario at this point. Yeah, yeah, and then with everything that had to happen for the Nets, you know, sitting on this is pretty uh, pretty special territory to be in. You know, have the best opportunity for I think it's twenty five percent chance of getting a number one pick, and uh, they have a 48, forty eight or forty six percent chance um, of two. getting a top two. So, in pretty special territory, for sure. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, kind of the first time since the Pistons uh, were coming off a championship. Mm-hmm. And they end up with a number two pick, and didn't work out for them. They picked Darko Milicic yeah. over uh, Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. I think we're literally the next yeah. three picks, so it wasn't even like you're looking at guys down in the twenties and going, "Why didn't they pick them second? Yeah, that, uh, that would seem like back when like that, European ball was, was still a, such a mystery. Now it feels like the projection has has um, they're they're doing a nicer job of figuring out where guys <laughs> fit because it it was like taking flyers on guys that. Uh, just didn't quite pan out. So, yeah, but moving now, forward. Now are you a little worried? The Celtics have always kind of been cursed a little bit with it by the ping pong balls, or at least in recent years. Uh, um, even the Marcus Smart year, they had higher chances uh, than, than picking six. Yeah. Um, they had higher chance. Obviously, the Tim Duncan draft is one that everyone goes back to when they mm-hmm. had the best odds. And they ended up with the three. They, I think they had the first and third best odds. And they finished with the third and sixth and ended up with Chauncey Billups and Ron Mercer and... Well, yeah, I was a little. Great. They trade him away, so they never really got to. If see it was a do. draft that did have a, a a LeBron James or someone that just seemed like a gener like a generational talent, 
sitting there and it was kind of odds on. And I think this draft does have a really talented guy in Markel Fultz, who's kind of the unanimous number one. But it does seem like a pretty strong draft class. And I know uh, Wick Grusbeck, the uh, the owner, who's going to who's going to be there. yeah, was saying that they they've they're pretty high on at least four guys. So I think chances are that they'll be in you know the top four spots. Um, and again, we saw the way you know Jalen Brown affected this team this year. You know he's a he's a nice piece. He's shown some real flashes. But I with being in the Eastern Conference Finals, we're not waiting for uh, you know the savior to come along and, and lift the franchise. We're looking for a boost, but we don't. Uh, I think there's a lot of spots that we can be helped at. So any anywhere in the top four, I'd be totally happy. It would be pretty you know again just for historical to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, still be playing basketball in May, and then have the first overall pick would be pretty uh, cool. Um, and in terms of a rebuild, like it's just you know a testament to Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge. Um, and if it's higher or lower, do you look at trading it? Because um, if it's a one or a two pick, you, it's, it's a guard. It's a point guard, really, Foles or Ball. Yeah. And Foles I, can probably play a little more off the ball. Then Ball can. It's going to be weird uh-huh. saying this. For, for the next 20 years. But, yeah. You know, Foles, he's a good pick-and-roll player. Lonzo. Lonzo. Lonzo, yeah, we'll go with Lonzo. Really needs the ball in his hands yeah. a lot more to kind of, you know, show that that passing skills and that ability to read the court. Yeah. Whereas Foles is kind of more of a pick-and-roll type player. Yeah, I think. But they're both bigger guards, so I think they can guard different positions. So you could partner them with Isaiah. Isaiah's done a nice job of playing off the ball, you know, running through those screens, really making life difficult for whoever's trying to defend him. So I think there are, there are ways of um, folding either of those guys in that would be really interesting. Um, and you just, yeah, you don't you don't really know. I think you know if you do have the number one overall pick. Uh, or number two, you know, you just want to take the best available. But some of these guys, uh, the Jason Tatum and then this guy Josh Jackson, who's played Jackson, out in yep, Kansas, who are kind of these uh, wing, wing, you know, uh, I think Jason Tatum's offensive game might be a little further along. Um, but, you know, those those are good positions because we've talked a lot about just, you know, the more, you know, 6'6 six, six to 6'9 six, guys that can guard, um, you know, one through four, yeah, two through guys four, switch, the are, that's the way the league's going. Um, so yeah, either way, I mean, but it's man, it's it's a real luxury to be looking at it and not um, be so you know nervous about oh well if I don't if number one doesn't land or number two I feel like that's when good things happen to you is when you're not um, you know you don't need them to happen so hopefully that that's kind of will will pay off for the Celtics <laughs> like we're focused on Wednesday and then all of a sudden we might get the number one pick tonight so. You know, it's all, I keep going it's all back gravy. to how crazy this offseason could be. You know, but Danny Ainge, you never know. Sometimes you go into offseason thinking they're just going to be blockbusters, and he ends up being pretty quiet a couple years ago. Um, but they could get the number one pick. They could sign an elite free agent like a Gordon Hayward or a Blake Griffin, mm-hmm. and they would still have five first-round picks coming up. They would still end some trade pieces, and a guy like Marcus Smart or Jay Crowder, probably one of those guys, has mm-hmm. to become expendable at one point, especially if you keep the number one pick. I mean, yeah. There's just not going to be enough spots in the rotation to, to keep all these guys. Mm-hmm. So can you package you know, the next Nets first rounder and a Jay Crowder or Marcus Smart and maybe a couple more seconds or a future first mm-hmm. and get another? Like, could they add two stars and a number one pick in one offseason? It could be incredible. Or maybe he wants to stay the course. You know, keep the chemistry together, yeah. keep this team flow think, together. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I think also Danny Ainge realizes, and I think Wick Grasbeck was on the radio a couple weeks ago saying they were two players away. Yeah, it surprised me a little bit because I oh, thought they always thought they were one player away. 
Um, but maybe they even realize they're two players away. They don't necessarily yeah. have to be two superstars. Mm-hmm. Maybe two guys with certain well, skill think, sets. Yeah. One maybe being a star, and one maybe being that guy you can protect the rim and mm-hmm. rebound. Yeah, an elite defender. Yeah. Um, elite bigger elite defender because I think they're yeah. they're really good in, in their guard spots. They're really strong, and I think they will have to make a decision because now. Uh, with Avery Bradley, Isaiah Thomas, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier showing some really good things, and then possibly guard um, picking up a guard in uh, one of those first two picks. There, that's just too many guards, you know. Yeah. Like you need so uh, th- there's going to be some decisions. But before we get to off-season mode, which I love, and I love, like I'm a big <laughs> Las Vegas summer league fan. I'm super excited about that. We got some of our foreign players coming over. Um, a couple of our guys in the develop. Uh, Abdel Nader, who was a late second-round pick, who showed some things. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking in the offseason. But right now, how do we see it moving forward in this Cavs series? What are the keys to... Yeah, it'll be interesting against the Cavs because it's it's a series that no one's going to give them a chance to win. I wouldn't necessarily give them a chance to win. Uh, But it'll be interesting as kind of uh, a benchmark to see exactly how close they are to what seem to be the two elite teams, maybe three if you include the Spurs when healthy. Uh, you know, are they how close are they to that echelon yet? Are they still yeah. a significant step short? Are they are they one guy away? Uh, so it'll be interesting how they you know because they match up fairly well against them. Uh, you have J.R. Smith uh, or Kyle Korver will play a lot of the two, which allows you to kind of hide Isaiah on them. Uh, they're both kind of shooters. And they're not shooters like Beal where they run through screens all day long. They're, mm-hmm. they're more spot-up shooters. Uh, JR is a little more active. Um, but then that allows you to put Bradley on Kyrie, um, slow him down a little bit. And then you got Jay Crowder and Marcus Smart. You can both throw at LeBron, slow him down as much as he can. Obviously, LeBron, greatest player in the league. He's mm-hmm. going to get his. He's going to affect the game uh, on both ends of the court. Every second he's out there. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's even lost a step physically almost like, you know, and uh, shooting's really, he's been shooting pretty well recently. So he's uh, obviously a force to be reckoned with. Uh, that's the understatement of the year there. And then it's nice with the bigs is that they don't have a traditional center. They play Tristan Thompson at the five. And uh, so, so the rebounding woes might be, well, Tristan Thompson's a very good rebounder. It's really not like they have two big guys that you got to worry about. Kevin Love spends most of his time on the perimeter. He was a great rebounder early in his career in Minnesota, but he doesn't really kind of – he's not at the hoop to rebound as much mm-hmm. anymore. They, uh, they really play either either a four-out or a five-out, depending on uh, whether they have Tristan Thompson or Channing Fry on the court. Um, but what really does, is interesting to me is that they went through this last series with the Wizards who had no bench. And mm-hmm. they – I bet you actually if you look at the final uh, series stats – the Wizards' starting lineup will probably have a positive plus-minus while they were on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically the Celtics won against the bench. Uh, so it'll be interesting because the Cavs kind of built a pretty solid bench late in the year there. Uh, adding Darren Williams helped them out a little bit. We already talked about Channing Frye, uh, Kyle Korver, and then uh, you, you bring in Amon Shumpert, who can be kind of a lockdown defender mm-hmm. with that group. So that's, And then... You know, they'll likely basically play LeBron with both the starting and the secondary units. He'll maybe get four, four or five minutes of rest a game. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they can, you know, the matchups work out well enough, they can steal a couple games. Yeah, no, I think uh, kind of piggybacking on that, um, the, the bigs uh, rotation for the Cavs are Channing Fry, who, who really is an outside shooter who played like he doesn't like being in the paint as much as possible. Kevin Love, who now kind of fits that. 
description as well. He can, he's, he's not as averse to the pain as Channing Frye, but he is much more comfortable out on the perimeter. Um, and then you got Tristan Thompson, who's kind of this, you know, roving power forward who does everything, who's got great anticipation, consistently offensive rebounds at like such a high level. He's doing something, you know, really special there, but he's the only guy that's like just the kind of a physically dominating guy. Um, so the one piece for me would be, is this a series where we might see Jonas Drebka, some guy that for the Celtics, that's a stretch four, you get more skill, you have an opportunity to shoot. And then our big rotation to match their group is Al Horford, Kelly Olynyk, and a Jonas Drebko um, over Amir Johnson. I think Amir Johnson still could get the token start, but I, it would be interesting to see what happens next with this rotation that has been so fluid for Brad Stevens and is really one of our strengths because we develop so many players throughout the course of a season. Is this a time where Jonas Drebko could provide us something um, that would really help? Because he does move his feet. He's not a, a rim protector, but he moves his feet really well on the perimeter and switches out um, and can guard guys a little smaller and quicker than him because he's pretty long and, and moves his feet well. Um, the other thing with the challenge of defending LeBron, I think that uh, the two guys you named, Marcus Smart and Jay Crowder, I think are really going to get the, the nod uh, primarily, Avery Bradley's done a nice yeah, job when has. they when they cool, switch yeah. that up. So it would be interesting if Terry Rozier comes in and he guards uh, Kyrie yeah. Irving a little bit. So we've got some pieces, and then also when it becomes a challenge, a real exciting challenge of if you hold LeBron to 22 points, all of a sudden people are talking about your effort. Where that yeah. doesn't always happen with a lot of other guys. Yeah. Uh, usually it's just attributed to their effort. But LeBron is a special, uh, the best player in the league, uh, the best player. You know he's in the top two now of all time. Um, so to see, watch if, out, Mike. Yeah, seriously. And if if he keeps going, then this kind of challenge, the excitement, and it's not like a guy like Marcus Smart needs any more intensity or Jay Crowder. But then no, you look at guys, uh, they were both the flexing on yeah. on uh, Monday night. But the excitement that uh, Jalen Brown even you could you could include him in kind of that four man rotation on LeBron, and uh, you know you could steal sharp and steal. So those guys keep you know. You know, pushing, 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 talking about what's working best, how we're uh, we're being effective. Um, so I would so, worry a little bit with Jalen Brown on him. I feel like LeBron could pick him apart pretty quick. Well, I think get a read on him. He could because you know, LeBron's post up game has come a long way. He uh, kind of picked it up when he was with the Heat. Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't use it as much with the Cavs, but it's there. You know, he, he played a lot of four when he was with the Heat. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, I think if he sees Jalen on him, he just takes it down to the Well, block. it'll be interesting to see. I mean, and, and being and a seven-game series. And kicks it out. And, yeah. yeah, well, but remains to be seen. Yeah. But I think you've got guys that can physically match up. Because although Jalen is the least seasoned of those defenders, just from a physical um, dimension standpoint, he actually probably is the best matchup against LeBron James. So um, it'll just be interesting to see how that evolves. And I agree with you, you know, some things are going to work, some, some aren't going to work. But because you have a number of guys that could possibly guard him, it'll be, you know, you can give somebody a quick hook. A lot of things if to throw against not, the wall and see if they work. Exactly, exactly. Um, and then the last thing is the kind of using this series as a benchmark testing. Like it's really just a really exciting to be here because we're going to find out where we're at. And it's very similar to, you know, what was it, uh, Three years ago, when we just made it, yeah, well, two postseasons ago, two postseasons ago. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So the first year we got Isaiah, mm -hmm. and we got yeah, Jay. Yeah, got a midseason. Yeah, yeah. So it was kind of that build up. Uh, I guess that would be what was uh, it, 13, be 14? Uh, it'd be 2014, 15 season, mm -hmm. 2015 playoffs. Right, where wow. we just kind of snuck in. We had a big turnaround at midseason, and we just snuck into the playoffs. And we it was a really hard fought game. It was the 
season. Kelly dislocated um, Kevin Kelly, Love's shoulder. shoulder yep. But that we, was we the last really game hard. that these uh, playoff game these two teams have played in the Garden. Wow. So I'm sure the uh, Cavs have not forgotten about that. A lot of the same guys on that team. Yeah. Um, from then. But so. just I think that was that series, even though we got swept, was really important for our development because we saw what we had to do or what playoff basketball looked like. And I could see, again, I think I'd be pretty disappointed in a sweep, but it's, it's a really special opportunity to just see where we stand against the elite of the league. Um, it be interesting to see how one, two, maybe three games could determine the future of this franchise. Right. If they get swept, you probably go one way. If they win one game, uh, who knows, two games, who knows. Yeah. If you win three games, you probably go a very different way than if you got swept. For sure. You yeah, know, it's a barometer. As far as keeping it's... the team together. So, uh, And it'll be interesting to see how the Cavs kind of come out. I think they'll be yeah. pretty fired up. I don't and think they've forgotten about that uh, Kelly Olenek, Kevin Love injury. I think they feel like that cost them a, you know, a good shot at championship mm-hmm. that season when they end up getting beat by the Warriors as a – LeBron somehow managed to still get him to win a couple games yeah. in that series. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, if you remember just... also, Kyrie Irving was coming off of an ankle injury in that series. Yeah. It wasn't 100%. Yeah, so I think he... They swept the Celtics. Yeah. Obviously not this Celtics team, but they weren't the current Cavaliers team either in that sweep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see uh, kind of how each team comes out. Obviously the Celtics have been playing great at home so far, but uh, we don't have to look too far back to see a couple of games where they came out and... Uh, Against the Bulls and didn't yeah. play well at and home, so and it it does feel a little bit like that, uh, you know, pick your headline thing because then if the Celtics play well, it'll be oh the Cavs had too much time off, or mm-hmm. if the Cavs come out strong, oh what look at the benefit of having all this time off. So it really can go either uh, rust way. Rust versus rest. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> and we're we're gonna find ourselves in it one way or another. Thursday's headline is gonna be one of those two <laughs> options, you know. So uh, we shall see, but it's it's a a fun team in that they've totally embraced this new style of basketball, you know, playing four out or five out all the time, you know. So uh, it'll, it's going to be Thank interesting. you, Warriors. Yeah, yeah. So. It's a fun, fun, fun basketball to watch for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, and, it's, and it's also just nice to have home team basketball to watch at this point in the season. So uh, very, a, a very grateful moment for Celtics fans, I, I'd say. Absolutely. I was, I was thinking, I was wondering, because I was after that game, I was you know thinking about, like, oh, well, remember, this is the Kelly Olenek game. And then I was like, oh, are we going to remember this game at all? Because it's a conference semifinals game. Like mm-hmm. in the, And I was trying to think back to, like, you know, and I remember a couple conference semifinals game in kind of like the, the Pierce-Antoine era. Um, there was, I think, one big uh, Heat-Celtics matchup that happened to come in the conference semifinals. Uh, but, we, you know, I couldn't think of a specific conference semifinals game. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, man, why does it seem so big this time around? I think I, what I came back to was we haven't had too many Celtics teams that have been underdogs. Mm. Like when the Celtics have been good, they've been good because they had the best players in the league. Yeah. You had the last big three era. You had the previous big three era. You know, you had the great teams of the, of the 70s uh, with Cowens and, and, you know, and Havlicek. And you, you obviously had the great teams of Kuzi and Bill Russell and... Mm-hmm. Um, so it just seems like, you know, maybe uh, the other one would be those Pierce, Antoine, early 2000 Celtics where they're actually kind of going up against teams with more talent than themselves. And that's uh, not yeah. quite used to that from Celtics playoff runs. Yeah. And this, I think the, you know, um, the obituary of this season hasn't been written yet because they're still, they're still alive and well. But yeah, I see it like, you know, the year they got swept, uh, 14-15, they got swept by the Cavs, but it was really 
special to be there because the expectations that season were coming off a 25 win season. We made the, all these midseason acquisitions that way under first, 500 midseason. Yeah, a lot of these guys seemed like we were taking flyers on them, and then all of a sudden, by the time we snuck into the playoffs, they seemed like, oh, these are pieces that we could build around. So to go kind of 40 and 42 that season, just make it to the playoffs, um, get swept out, and then last year there was a bunch of injuries, but we we played the Hawks tough, and then kind of the silver lining of that was. That was actually kind of uh, Al Horford's recruiting trip. He was so impressed with how Boston played that we kind of got Al Horford out of that. So that felt like even though it was still a first-round loss, it goes down in the books as the same as what happened the year before, we improved there. Mm -hmm. And then this season, this felt like Kelly Olynyk's game was like graduating to the next Mm -hmm. level, you know, beating the boss and going on to, (laughs) you know, for us that played Mario growing up. That felt like a a moment, and now we're kind of, you know, we've got extra life. And and who knows what we're gonna do? We're but um, we're, so. we're in the overtime of the series season. It seems like yeah yeah, yeah we're uh, so all right. Well, it'll be fun to watch. We got the uh, draft lottery coming up tonight, Tuesday night. Uh, yeah. See where the ping pong balls fall there, and then right back at it Wednesday night with uh, game one at the Garden against the Cavs. So it's a fun time to be a Celtics fan for sure. Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, all right. we'll uh, likely see you guys uh, or talk to you guys after uh, game one. Thanks for listening. This is uh, Brennan Curie signing off with uh, Sam Schillen. Take care.